0: Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. And you can follow me at Facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Coming up in a few minutes. Oh boy, there's a problem right now with the vulnerability of credit and debit cards. I'm going to fill you in in today's Clark Rage. What you need to know, there's something simple you can do about it actually two something simple you can do about it I'm going to share with you and yet later talk about a pivot going on in the housing market and that is houses becoming smaller but smarter in how they're designed plus there's an angle on that for veterans that I'll fill you in on. I want to talk right now about something that happened last week and it was this mass protest and walkout by tens of thousands of Google workers. And what led to this walkout was there was a Google worker who had repeatedly sexually harassed women and the women, the employees, were forced into kangaroo court arbitration And if they received any money at all in kangaroo court arbitration, they had to sign an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, which meant there were no consequences to this employee, who in fact was continually getting promoted at Google, and then ultimately, when the employee was shown the door, he was given an exit package of $90 million as a going-away gift from Google for being such a good serial sexual harasser, actually because he's a brilliant guy who invented a lot of great stuff so they looked the other way and just paid people off to keep quiet. Well the Google employees rose up in insurrection and as a result Google and then almost immediately after Facebook. Have both now eliminated uh, forced kangaroo court arbitration for sexual harassment. There is, I mean, I am a hundred percent opposed to kangaroo court arbitration for anything involving you and me doing uh, business as consumers with a business, employees where you work, having to deal with these stack deck arbitration systems. And if you're not familiar with it. More and more places we work or shop require that if we're going to work there, we're going to shop there, whatever, that we agree that no matter what the company does, illegal, otherwise, we have no rights to the nation's courts. And the Supreme Court has ruled on multiple occasions that because of a law passed by Congress, that the upper hand automatically goes to employers And if employers, if companies want to impose this fake judicial system, the crooked arbitrations, they can. And so this is a clear example of why forced arbitration is as wrong as it could be and it should not be at all. Because for someone who is engaging in illegal behavior at a company or coercive behavior at a company to be able to hide from the law. I mean, this came up with, I don't like to mention, and by the way, I didn't mention the Google guy's name, right? And I didn't mention that guy who, uh, the, the Hollywood guy, who harassed so many women and was violent towards so many women. And again and again, NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, and arbitration agreements kept consequences away for decades from abuse, from sexual assault, and the rest that was going on with this Hollywood mogul. And so this is a system that is clearly broken. It is a cynical thing to eliminate people's rights I mean, think about all the sacrifices that have taken place in all the wars over the years as we are in the shadow of Veterans Day, that all these people who did so much to fight for and preserve our freedom, to then have it cynically taken away by the U.S. Congress that eliminates your and my ability to go to the courts of the United States if we've been wronged. And that is wrong. That's not the way our country should work. And pressure within companies has forced this change at Google and Facebook. I hope they're just two of many companies where people who have been harmed, people who have been assaulted, will have access to the courts of our nation instead of to these fake stack deck arbitration panels that are controlled by the employers to work solely for the benefit of the employers and to stick it to the employees who've been wronged. Michelle is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you? Great, thank you. You are someone who does not want to be in debt for one second longer than you have to be.
1: That is pretty much true. Um, we're especially focused on a mortgage on a second uh, vacation home.
0: Okay, how come the and, second home, not the first?
1: Well, the first is a lower interest rate, and we you haven't—you know—we're not having any trouble. We're new in the house. You know, it's not a budget concern. We're definitely pay a little extra to get it over with sooner. But the second mortgage has meant that we've had to get a second income coming into the house. That being me, (laughs) I've been a stay-at-home mother for 10 years, and our goal is to go back to that. So we just want to get rid of the second mortgage as soon as possible. So
0: when you say second mortgage, you mean on the second home? Correct. Yeah, and what interest rate does that one carry? That one is at six. Whoa!
1: I know. uh, Because it's a mobile home and a second property for us, that was the lowest we could get.
0: So the first home, the primary residence, the interest rate on that mortgage is what? That one is four. So don't prepay at all on the four. All your energy, all your effort should be going to pay off the loan on the second home. What's the outstanding balance on it? 120. And do you know sometimes with loans involving mobile homes, there will be a prepayment penalty? No, there is not. Okay. If there's no prepayment penalty, then paying against a 6% loan sounds like a great idea. With the money you're making from this job you've had to take, how long will it take you to pay off that 120?
1: I've done a bunch of calculators Uh, where I'm at right now. I can basically make only about $200 a month extra toward that mortgage on top of the regular payment. But I have this lump sum sitting in a bank right now um, that I'm debating what to do with it. I'm going to take a small portion and open a second IRA for our retirement planning, but I'll still have 30 to 40,000 left. And so my biggest question is, As far as using that 30 to 40 to prepay, is it better to just make huge payments right now and when it runs out, go back to baking as you know, the best I can with my income, or should I spread it out with smaller extra payments so that I know it will last the whole time until the mortgage is gone?
0: Well, actually, if you are sitting there with a pile of cash and your intention is to use that pile of cash towards the 120,000 outstanding. It's mm-hmm. to your advantage to lump sum it all at once because it, really? yeah, it re-amortizes the loan and by that I mean it reduces the length of the loan by an enormous amount because every month when you're paying on that 6% loan, a huge amount of what you're paying is towards interest not principal.
2: So well, if you okay. if mm-hmm. you
0: immediately take out 25% of the remaining principal... Then of, you have to keep making the same payments you've made before, but a mm-hmm. great deal more of each payment will go towards principal rather than interest, having a huge impact on the remaining length of the loan.
1: Okay, okay. So, so I haven't done calculators that way. I've yeah, been doing so, calculators with recast versus extra payment, and I've seen that extra payment makes a much bigger savings than a recast.
0: Exactly. But
1: you're talking about a refinance, right?
0: No, I'm talking about you just oh. lump sum, the 30 okay. against the balance, you prepay principal, drop Okay, the, so
1: just make one big extra one payment big at one payment.
0: time. Right. And so the sooner you do, the more the savings are. That's why Especially, I want you to make certain there is no prepayment penalty. Mm-hmm. You pay that, and again, your monthly payment stays the same. But if you okay. go to a mortgage calculator, many of which are available online, mm-hmm. and you put in that you're doing a prepayment of principal of that amount of money, it will show you how quickly you'll finish paying off the remaining 90000
1: okay yeah you know i don't know why i didn't even think of that option the bank mentioned me a free recast and so i was only comparing that all right so
0: the (laughs) reason the bank wants you to recast is to keep you in debt as long as you are right now lower your payment so that you'll pay much more interest over the term of the loan
1: right exactly i said no thank you to that right away
0: (laughs) so that's why doing the lump sum prepayment gets you the greatest bang for your buck Excellent. Thank you very much. All right, and best to you, and hopefully soon you'll get this to where you don't have to work anymore because of this mortgage. Awesome. Thank you. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Jimmy's with us on The Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jimmy. Hey, how are you? Great. Thank you, Jimmy. How can I be of service?
3: Uh, well, my niece and nephew's birthday is this month, and then it's Christmas, and I wanted to buy them uh, stock. So trying to figure out the best way to do that i was thinking about uh some of those fee-free platforms um i know you're a fan of the roth ira i was thinking about doing something self-directed there but it's uh how
0: old are your niece and Um, nephew jimmy they're three and five okay so you can't do an ira unless Ah, uh, unless they are violating child labor laws and you've got them working in the salt mine somewhere is, I didn't
3: realize that.
0: Okay. Yeah, you got you got to have earned income. You got to have a job. So, I mean, the all important 3-year-old job market. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, putting money aside for them, the question I'd have for you next in your family's culture, what's the likelihood that that 3-year-old and 5-year-old are going to go to college? Very likely. If college is the likely result, then the best thing you could do for your niece and nephew is put money in something known as a 529 plan for their benefit, which is a tax-free investment account for college.
3: Okay. Um, I'm in California. They're raised in New York. Should I be doing it out of the California one or the New York one?
0: Both plans are fantastic, but I'm going to make a suggestion to you. How financially trustworthy are the parents of the three- and five-year-old?
3: Um, yeah, pretty strong when they come to their kids. And the father's a stockbroker, which is why I was thinking about. My brother's stockbroker, which is why I was thinking about stocks.
0: So, um, so well, what would be best is if the parents own the 529 plan, that you just okay. give them the money with the idea being that it's going to go to your niece and nephew's 529 college savings plan? Because the treatment, in terms of how the money is calculated and how it might affect financial aid, is more favorable if the accounts are owned by a parent. I see. If you didn't, if you didn't trust your, the, your brother, if you didn't think he was responsible, you would not want him to own the account. But since you know he is, you say, hey, here's some money for your kids for a 529 account. And the New York plan is great. They can just open that one and put the money in. And then over the years when your niece and nephew have birthdays, Christmas, whatever, you can give additional money that will go into their college plan.
3: Can I self-direct it towards stocks, though? Because, oh, um, so well, what, a 529 a does,
0: what a 529 does is the money is, if you go in what's known as the age-based portfolio, the money is overwhelmingly in stocks when they're preschool age like you your niece and nephew are. And then as they get close to college age, the mix changes. They're widely diversified portfolios. They're a simple choice and they will be overwhelmingly in stocks, but through the 529 fund choice you'd go into. And if you go to clark.com and go to my 529 plan guide, you can click on the New York plan and see how easy it is to set it up And so if your brother hadn't gotten around to having one for the kids, you can help him through that process. That's funny, you'll help your stockbroker brother. Today's Clark Regis moment is a special warning for you when you go to fill up the tank of your vehicle. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. You may not be aware of this, but there is an extreme vulnerability When you do pay at the pump at a gas station, gas stations, because of the complexity about how credit and debit card processing works at the pump, were given an exemption from having to convert their pumps for several years to chip-based readers. Criminals have taken advantage of that and are installing increasingly sophisticated electronic devices. That come under the general banner of what are known as skimmers at gas pumps. state of Florida recently did an audit of gas pump payment systems and found that at 689 stations they went to in the state of Florida, they found skimmers in place stealing people's credit and debit card numbers. This is a, actually this is just a microcosm of the problem all over the country. These electronic devices surreptitiously put into where you put your payment card, then transmit electronically over cellular networks your card number that the criminals then duplicate immediately and start using it. The problem is is if you use a debit card, the criminal immediately can empty your checking account. Credit card, the risks are much more minor, not significant. So if you do want to buy gasoline with a debit card, go inside, even though it's inconvenient. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. I want to tell you, it is really great how necessity sometimes is the mother of invention, And that we go back to things that worked in the past. An example is with homes. Home affordability is an issue more or less in most of the country. And homes had gotten larger and larger and larger in the United States. The average square footage of homes and the average family size had gotten steadily smaller. So think about how weird that is. As family sizes got smaller, homes got steadily larger, and now the average resident of a house has, I'm trying to remember, it's three point something times the square footage per person under a roof versus what it was two generations ago. And so today, in order to make homes more affordable, builders are moving towards making them smaller, but because of computer-aided design, the homes are able to feel functionally as useful even as they've been through the shrink ray. So homes that may in the past have swelled way past 2,000 feet, now a number of builders are building homes that are somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 square feet and getting three or four bedrooms in that space, getting rid of the formal dining room, creating the great room effect with kitchen, eating area, living room, all one space. And the effect of that is being able to get effectively down the price of the home. The other thing a number of builders are doing, and this was something that started with the express brand of D.R. Horton, one of the biggest builders in the country, is eliminating a great number of options in the plan. Because every time you add another option that a prospective home buyer can say, well, we'd like the door here, we'd like this there or whatever. Every time you do that, you end up with more time, Spent more material wasted, more complexity in the job, and the result of those three things is you drive up the cost. So others are emulating the idea of the express of building a simplified structure and a more efficient structure to get the prices into a point that they are more affordable. Now, the other part of this is that a lot of first-time home buyers have a fixation and fascination with new construction. The reality is the effective cost per square foot you pay for a home is much lower with a used home than it is with a new home. And the used home will more likely be in a neighborhood that has established itself, has found its true fair market value, and there's a lower risk purchase than that new construction. Plus, with the shortages of labor and the increase in materials costs because of the tariffs, there's an even larger advantage right now to buying used homes versus new. I uh, wanted just as an aside to tell you that I had an opportunity last Friday to be the speaker at an event honoring World War II vets, and I was honored to be in the presence of several World War II vets who fought in the European theater and the Asian theater, Uh, many who had been wounded, one wounded three different times in battle in World War II, and went back into the battle after healing from each series of wounds so three purple hearts silver star and one person after another with these inspiring stories of what they accomplished for our nation in World War II and it's so important that we recognize what our veterans have done but something that I made a point of speaking is that our veterans from more recent wars Vietnam Iraq and Afghanistan, the Vietnam the Vietnam veterans, they got rooked completely. They uh, came home to an unappreciative nation. People that were hostile to them, called them baby killers and worse. And it was just a horror what happened to the Vietnam vets. The brave men and women who fought in Iraq and Afghanistan, they have been appreciated, and Americans again and again have said, thank you for your service. But as I've shared with you in the past, it's frustrating to me that our military personnel are sent back over and over again on deployments because the burden today is not shared as it has been in prior, uh, prior war situations. And there's so much that our former military personnel need. I was touched by a story about in Kansas City, where there's been a tiny home village constructed that has two dozen plus homes that have been constructed for homeless veterans. I saw a story today about homeless women's veterans living in their cars, a lot of veterans living on the streets. And I hope that... We take advantage of the opportunity that more affordable housing like tiny homes make possible to show more than just appreciation to our veterans, but put a roof over their heads. And so I congratulate the people of Kansas City, Missouri, who have put together this effort to have these tiny homes built by volunteers that are now available to be housing for veterans arthur's with us on the clark howard show hello arthur
4: hey mr clark how uh, you doing I'm such a big fan <laughs> hey good uh, my wife told me to make sure that i breathe while i talk to you because i'm such a big fan <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, i wanted to uh, first of all i wanted to thank you for uh serving our country and also your listeners uh just for being so awesome and serving our country as veterans And also for me personally, uh, you've been a big beacon of hope for me, uh, because unfortunately I didn't have a great model uh, to learn about finances and handling money growing up. So I take your words uh, of wisdom very seriously and like my own father. So thank you so much for that.
0: Well, you were so kind to say that. Thank you.
4: Um, So my question is, I just paid off all my credit card debts and my score went from 590 to 677. Uh, in a span of a year so that was pretty awesome thanks to your advice well Um, actually i
0: I may have given you some information but the real thanks go to you for taking that information and dedicating yourself in a year's time to become credit card debt free
4: (laughs) thank you Uh, my question was uh, would you recommend me being an authorized user on my wife's credit card to improve my credit score and also, if you say yes, uh, will that impact my wife in a negative way because her credit score is 760?
0: No, it will not affect her at all it, unless she gives you the plastic. <laughs> so <laughs> so she adds you as an authorized user. A lot of issuers will report, not everybody does, but a lot will report to the bureaus, and she will essentially be lending you her good credit reputation. So that is... A, a very decent idea and the fact that you've paid off this debt were these accounts closed and you were paying off old balances or do you still have any of those accounts open no they're all closed and they're all kind of, they're all in collections got it got it so yes mm-hmm. you've you've been able by getting to 677 you're within shouting distance of a uh, what's considered to be a normal credit score and so you're what would be called maybe high subprime so you're really close just on your own her adding you as an authorized user should take you up uh, a fair number of points from here and you should be fine to stand on your own two feet with that.
4: Awesome and then can I ask you a side it might be a silly question but um, it's a side question so I don't know how this works because I'm learning how to be an adult. Uh, but, uh, so, do I, is does this impact me filing, like, separately? Because I, I was told, like, hey, you should file married but file separately when you do your taxes and don't do joint so she doesn't get her credit cor- score impacted. Her and credit score valid. will not
0: be – her credit score is not affected yeah. at all by what status yeah. you file on your tax returns. And as a couple, you should file uh, – what you do is you run – The numbers, are you better off married filing jointly or married filing separately? And whichever generates the least amount of tax for the two of you, that's the method that you file under.
4: Wonderful. So the the
0: only things that appear in what goes on a credit report and then ultimately calculates into a credit score are, you know, if you had late pays, which you've had the credit you have, what percent of that credit you're using, those two things are 65% of what makes up most credit scoring models. The other 35% are much more minor factors. There are three different ones that make it up, but the whole match that really matters are those two things. And so going forward, I can tell there's a new discipline in you. And so as you pay bills in the future, paying them on time, is all you have to do to have good credit standing going forward. So how you pay taxes and all that, you know, whether you file single, or, I mean uh, married filing separately, married filing jointly, makes zero difference on what happens oh. with her status, your status in terms of your credit. And I want to congratulate you again for getting your way through paying all these debts off. Joel is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Joel,
3: how you doing? Hello, Clark. Thank you. I'm doing great. How about yourself?
0: Good. You're a very generous soul. You're taking more than a dozen people on a trip?
3: Oh no, no, no. My folks are though.
0: Oh, your uh, folks my, are the generous ones, huh?
3: They are. They are.
0: Well, we got um, some people here, Joel and Kim and I, that your parents may not remember a family. But uh, we're happy to be family members and go on this trip.
3: Well, well, let's see how good your advice is, and I'll let them know whether they need to bring you or not.
0: That's a deal. (laughs) Uh,
3: So yes, my parents are celebrating 50 years of marriage, and a part of what they want to do is take their three boys and our spouses and children with them on a cruise, Uh, and uh, being a avid, long-time fan, listener of you, I know that that can be quite a sketchy arrangement with a cruise. There's pretty much, from what you have said, a no-refund, no-matter-what policy. And uh, my concern is that if, if one of us was to be in a car accident or get very ill or something were to happen, which is highly unlikely but plausible, that uh, we would want some kind of trip insurance that would cover all of us, not just the individual, because the whole point of this trip would be for all of us to be together.
0: Sure. So we're going to hope everybody stays healthy all throughout the planning of the cruise, the taking of the cruise, and all the rest. But having trip insurance for a cruise is absolutely essential. I mean, there's no law that requires it or anything, but it's something that... Let's call it the law of the wallet. You need to have it. And it tends to cost uh, typically round figures like six cents of each dollar of the cost of the trip. So, you know, for every hundred dollars expect it to cost six for the trip insurance. But I want to give you a little known way to get trip insurance for free. Okay. There are a small number of credit cards that if you use the credit card for booking the travel you're doing, you get trip insurance thrown in as just a benefit of using that card to buy your travel. Okay. And any chance that, uh, that your parents are Costco members? Yes, they are. So if they get the Costco Visa card and use the Costco Visa card to purchase the cruise then they get $3,000 of trip insurance per passenger.
3: Wow. Okay. And so if one person was ill, that would allow a claim for all people attending?
0: I am not going to say that. Uh, I would say somebody's got to read the terms and conditions about what qualifies for a refund under that uh, Costco Visa card coverage to make sure that... It would cover all cabins booked and not just the one cabin that the one ill person was in. Are, are
3: cruises typically sold by the cabin, not by the individual
0: in a in case like this? So you pay per individual, but you're, in a, you're buying several cabins. So there's a price sure. per okay. cabin and it's broken down to per individual. So unless they're buying the fanciest suites on the ship, it's going to be a lot less than $3,000 a person.
3: Got it, okay.
0: So whatever the coverage conditions are with the Costco Visa, compare them to what you find on insuremytrip.com for a purchase policy to see what exclusions there may be in one versus another. Got it. And if they do decide to buy a trip policy, trip is the most comprehensive place I know to look and buy that policy. And will you extend my congratulations to them on their 60th wedding anniversary. That's quite an achievement. You bet, Clark. I have one other very quick question, if I could. Got to be like fast as can be.
3: You got it. I'm wondering, I have. I fell victim to the credit card that I didn't use enough, and they closed it. It has a $25,000 line on it. Oh, boy. I'm wondering, I, I just increased our home equity line of credit, which has a zero balance. Does a home equity line of credit count as revolving like a credit card when it comes to determining your
0: uh, your usage percentage? Depends on the scoring model. If you're not activating using that and it's just a standby, likely not get another credit card that has a high limit to replace the the headroom you had with the card that was closed.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
0: It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com and producer Joel asks it for you. Clark Eric Roding said, I use ShareBuilder by Capital One uh, for my kids and nephews now that the program is shutting down. Is there any other program that offers fractional share purchases and automatic dividend reinvestment? Yeah, M1 Finance is the alternative that people seem to really like. They are more sophisticated than ShareBuilder was at the end and M1 the letter m number one finance.com check it out you're listening to the clark howard show thanks for joining us today the clark howard show is produced by kim drobes joel larsgaard deborah reese and jim Ayers. and remember 24 hours a day we're there to serve you at clark.com and clarkdeals.com